Greetings, travelers, and welcome to the Geronimo Draws podcast. I'm Robert Geronimo, creator of the Blood Realm comic series, along with my co-host, musician and songwriter, Stephen Babino. On this podcast, we'll be covering various topics, such as comics, music, film, and a whole lot more. I hope you enjoy it. Stephen Babino. It's good to be here. How are you? I'm pretty good. This we're, is the first one. We're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> this is the first episode of the Geronimo Draws podcast, and we're super excited to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of topics to talk about, but first, we should give a little bio on our co-host here. Yeah, let's, let's tell them more about uh, ourselves. Yeah. So, Steve, um, why don't you tell these fine folks who you are and how we know each other? Oh boy. Uh, I know you since I'm born. Yes. Yeah. So my brother, Anthony Babino, who will probably be on this co- podcast, definitely is your best friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys have known each other since kindergarten. That's right. That would make me four years younger than you. And you've known me since I'm literally born. Yep. Yeah. I'm a musician. My brother's a musician. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a band called Rebel Kicks. And we tour. Yeah. So the reason I have Steve on uh, is because we're going to announce it right now. He and I are going to be collaborating on a special, I guess we'll say, album. Oh, yeah. Inspired by the Blood Realm comic series. I've already heard the first track, and it's it's pretty wild. Mm. I don't want to spoil too much right now because it's a ways off, but it's really exciting, and I want you guys to get to know Steve now you know as as we get closer to the the release and the announcement i've got a lot planned a lot planned <laughs> I can't for wait. the whole album you really blew me away with that first track i was like wow you really captured it should i reveal the name of the first track or no no not yet all right let him wait let's let, let, let's let's let it sit <laughs> let it simmer <laughs> let it simmer <laughs> so first off since uh, blood realm is a comic series i guess one of my first questions for you uh, would be, what was your first comic book? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, I think, I believe, well, my dad has a bunch, but my first own very personal comic uh, was Batman versus the Predator. Ooh. Do you remember that one? I do. I never had it. I had Superman versus the Predator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's only, I only have one issue of it, but uh-huh. I loved it. Oh, that's so and cool. And it introduced me to one Batman, and it also introduced me to the Predator. All in one. All in one. And then, obviously, I watched the Schwarzenegger movie. And oh, yeah. It my, all trickled My from whole there. life just exploded from there. Yeah. Batman is obviously one of the greatest comic book characters. It, it's the villains, too. Mm-hmm. The, the cast of villains that he has, in my opinion, are, are the best in comics. Who's your favorite? Oh, boy. Out of all of the Batman villains? Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, I loved Mr. Freeze. Mm. I mean, uh, the gun he had and everything. Not the Schwarzenegger version. (laughs) What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but also, I love Scarecrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Terrifying character. Yeah, I love the idea that, you know, he can, can, like, make you see your worst nightmare. Mm. You know, and you're so distracted by it. 
So I think that was pretty powerful. I always love. I know it's cliche, and it's sad that it's cliche now. Joker. But I love Joker. Oh, I mean, he's, he's just—he's amazing. He's a perfect villain. Oh, he really yeah. is. And uh, who do you think did it the best, including the animated series? Yeah. No, definitely Hamill is the yeah. first. Right. And then, uh, actually, believe it or not, Nicholson. Oh yeah. Is my favorite. Yeah. And speaking of, it's actually thirty years. Yeah, thirty years. Isn't that crazy? Man. That's pretty nuts. 30 years since the Batman serial. Remember the Batman serial? I do remember the Batman serial. I also remember the Batman mac and cheese. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That was from the animated series. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tim Burton's version of Batman, and we were talking about this earlier, Mm -hmm. it's it's funny because I don't think anyone – could have pulled it off, the, you know, unless it was him. Because I always thought he had the best yeah. Gotham City. Yes, yes. Out of all of the movies, that Art Deco aesthetic. Yeah, is now I feel like it's synonymous mm-hmm. with Batman, and it's funny because he captured this timeless world. That's the thing about the the Burton movies is that it it's weird because it's it's nineteen forties fifties, but there's certain modern gadgets and which I always loved. Yeah, I always loved that there was like a sort of there was a modernism, and then there was also like the old cars, yes. and the Oldsmobiles. Yes, you know, exactly. and I loved the joining of the two. It mm-hmm. made it its own universe right. in a way. Oh yeah, it, it really is its own universe, and obviously the black costume with yeah. the yellow. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's so great, and Danny Elfman's music. Now you're a musician. I mean best you know he was he has like a rock band or something i don't know if he was that previously does he really yeah he has like a big rock band i'm not surprised he's brilliant oh yeah he's fantastic i mean the batman march is just i mean there's only there's only a couple of guys that are like that howard shore Mm -hmm. john williams right danny elfman and what they do is they create Amazing themes, right. memorable themes right. that you can remember easily. Da, 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 yeah. Da, da, da. You immediately know that. Da, 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 da. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Just wait till you hear the Blood Realm one. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it's going to be nuts. So, I mean, that is kind of where I'm drawing from. Mm-hmm. Honestly, to be honest with you, that's where that's where I'm drawing from, um, mm-hmm. from those guys. Like, if I can create a memorable theme yeah. to Blood Realm. Then I've got you. I've oh, got yeah. you hooked. That's it. Yeah. And I feel now personally, I don't know how about you, how you feel about this, but I feel like there's a lack of themes mm. lately. Mm-hmm. I, well, I think we reached a period where growing up, everything had a specific theme and a march, obviously Superman, Batman, and all that stuff. But then you know, we had Batman Begins, and then it was like anti-theme. Mm-hmm. No theme. Just bombastic. Like, <laughs> And that's Hans Zimmer. (laughs) And he's great. I love Hans Zimmer. Oh, yeah. And he has his own thing. Mm -hmm. But you're right. No themes. No. Like, the last person to do that was John Williams. You know? Like, he's still still a top tier. Oh, yeah. How old is he now? He's getting up there. He's got to be in his 80s, approaching 90, maybe. I had seen a YouTube video. I don't know how old it is, but this kid went out in in front of John Williams' house, and he... I think he took a trumpet or something and he just started playing the Star Wars theme. Uh-huh. But like it was actually sweet because John Williams came out and like was clapping, so he must have did a good job. But oh, good. <laughs> Can you imagine if he was like, This is shit. Get off my lawn. 
<laughs> Take your stuff and get out of here. No, it's true. I mean, I can only imagine how many times that must happen to John Williams where these people just show up with trumpets. Right. Or just start singing his lines at him. But oh, he's he's incredible. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah. And but like him, you know, Danny Elfman oh, is yeah. is also that of that caliber. Oh, without say. a doubt. I saw Danny Elfman live at Lincoln Center. Oh man. It was incredible and you know you're sitting there and you don't realize how many memorable themes he's crafted so you're sitting there hearing them over and over again mm-hmm. and i mean once i once i hit batman returns i think like i just got so emotional i was like oh my god you know and he also did the animated series right he did so so i think shirley walker she did the score for the animated series but it was all inspired by Elfman's by the original 1989 right okay. exactly yeah but going back to Burton's Batman I think it's very interesting because his is not exactly true to the comics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny looking back at it now because we live in an age where everything needs to be right so in the Marvel accurate age. Yeah. oh yeah back then you know it was like kind of flippantly thought of you know it's like yeah, well, does it really matter? You right, know? because what existed, the 1970s Superman movies, right. which were incredible. And but, Adam West. And Adam West. Which is still great, yeah. you know. Oh, it's its own thing. Right. Pow, bang, zoom. <laughs> it's its own thing. Right. Um, but yeah, nothing really, there was no template. No, no, that's true. And, and Burton's such a smart guy. He really is. He's a visionary. Yeah. He has such an incredible imagination, and... There was a Burton exhibit at the MoMA. This was one of the greatest exhibits I'd ever seen. Mm. It was all of Burton's drawings, sketches, and they're all so powerful. I mean, he's got some demons. We all have demons, you know. But He's uh, got really dark demons. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got like adolescent demons. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there was this powerful sketch I saw. It was... It was when he was working on Batman Returns, and he did his own obvious, obviously his own spin on on Penguin. Mm. And it was a sketch of like young Oswald, and I think he said, "My name is Oswald Cobblepot, but I think the kids are something they call me the Penguin." And he has his like flipper hands, and I was like, "Oh, creepy!" It's intense and it's sad, you know. But yeah. like he knew how to capture that creepy and tragic element. I wonder if he had Danny DeVito in mind while he was creating this character, or his version of the character. I think he must have. I think he was the first choice. And from what I read when I was there, that that picture was what sold DeVito. Wow. Yeah, I never forgot that. I think that's also in the documentary, too, I have to check. But uh, we're seeing that live I, you know, in, in the flesh. You're like, wow, it's a very powerful sketch. I personally absolutely love what Burton did with Batman. Me too. And again, this may, you know, anger some of the purists, but I think it was such a great idea to have, I'm going to say it, Joker kill Batman's parents. I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> I really do. And again, you know, it's, it's not about purity. It's, it's interpretation. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's his interpretation right. of what happens in this world. It's his world. It's it Burton's is. world. Absolutely. 110%. Yeah. It's not even the entire thing mm-hmm. is, is his world, but the aesthetic he made. But I, I just love the idea that 
you know, you know, what you do in life is so important because it com- it comes back around mm-hmm. to haunt you. And like a, a literal like bad figure came back to haunt Jack Nichols- Jack Napier. I almost said Nicholson. Right. You know. And oh my god, that this is so great, you know? I love it. But that's kinda like how life imitates art. And that's how we get art. Right. Yeah, of course. Our, and now I'm circling around the blood rush. That's right. <laughs> I really can't wait. Yeah, it it, it, it was great um, working on that track, writing the lyrics, and then mm-hmm. you doing your thing. Mm-hmm. It was so cool to see the process too. So I will say that you will get a taste of it um, in January, for sure. But, oh yeah. Uh, probably even December, I'll probably like release the teaser of it, and then de- and then in December they're gonna get the the full blown. I can't wait. I know it's so cool. Yeah, we have a lot in store for sure with uh, the Blood Realm and collaborating. It's so great to collaborate you, with you on this. Same here, man. Same here. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> I know, man. So um, what what was your what inspired Blood Realm for me? Oh boy. Yeah. What what it really what was like the true thing that inspired Blood Realm? <sighs> okay. So Blood Realm was it's funny. You don't realize it was always there till you look back you know, your artistic journey, mm-hmm. you know, that when you just look at what you were doing and what you were reading and watching when you were little, that it's always been there, mm-hmm. you know. So growing up, one of the first instances was Ray Harryhausen's um, Clash of the Titans movie. Have you ever seen that from 1981? Mm-hmm. I never saw the movie. Oh, my God. It's, it's incredible. Didn't we go see the new one, though? We did, and we it saw- was absolutely, we will never mention <laughs> speak of yeah, that we went to see it uh, that was so yeah that was terrible i'm sorry yeah it was bad and they're in, this brings me back to that because their interpretation of medusa was in my opinion dead wrong mm-hmm. ray harryhausen's interpretation of medusa was incredible because she was hideous and the scene it was crazy because it's kind of like this dark fantasy element because mm-hmm. you have perseus with this little squad of of soldiers and they're going into Medusa's lair. They have to take a ferry to get there with this like grim reaper looking guy. They have to give a coin to him. And so the, the, the ferryman shows up, they put the coin in his hand and they know they're basically going to their death because this is a Titan and this is a, this is a horrific creature, you know? Are they in the underworld? No, the, they're, they're crossing the river of sticks. Okay. Yeah. And they get to these, these ruins. It looks like an old ruined temple. And then they, they come across immediately by this, by this creepy-looking Cerberus dog, but it's got two heads. So they killed the Cerberus. Oh, was it three? I think it was just two. Cerberus has three heads. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I think in this film, I think because it wasn't like a full-blown Cerberus. They, they didn't have the budget. Yeah, probably. <laughs> three heads? Two. Two. <laughs> You're out of your mind. But it's so incredible. I have to have you watch the scene after this. Just that scene alone, because they're, they're going into this... this this dimly lit um, ruin inside. It's like an abandoned temple. And you see like little torches. And they're going in there. It's so quiet. And all you see are these these statues. But they're not statues. They were once people. Mm-hmm. Because if you look in, into Medusa's eyes, you turn to stone. And some of, the, some of the, the statues are broken in half and everything, you know. So you can only imagine what happened. And then when she comes out, is this it's so there's such a tremendous buildup 
And it's so creepy because she slithers in. The lighting is perfect. You just see the shadow of these snakes. You don't even see her yet. You just see the shadow. And and the battle is great. I don't want to spoil it because you have to watch it. I definitely want to see it. And for those of you who are listening, I mean, you guys have to watch that film. It's fantastic because the character Calibus also influenced uh, the design of General Gorn in the Blood Rum series. Uh, he's this crazy looking creature with like this fork prosthetic that he uses to like stab people. It, it's it's wild. But it was this real it was really cool to see this fantasy mixed with this horror. Mm. And I fell in love with that scene, you know. And I always love monsters. But what's funny is that as I grew up, I felt like, oh no, 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 I, I can't do that. I have to do what's current. I have to do what everyone else is doing to right. make money kind of like pushing back the thing that I always loved when I was little. And you always end up coming back to that, you know? So like scary stories to tell in the dark when I was a kid. Sure. I mean, obviously video games for sure. I mean, oh, we could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> we could do a whole episode on and that. we probably will. Oh yes, we will. But yeah. That I, reminds me, the clash of the Titans reminds me of Shadow Kingdom with the squad going very exactly oh a 100 percent man going into the castle and absolutely getting attacked uh it's great dude you're dead on yeah that that was that whole feel that whole aesthetic you know where it's this fantastical world but you know there's this there's this real life fear too you know i don't want to be i don't want to be part of that group (laughs) yeah yeah exactly but i want to read about it but i want to read about it exactly yeah um so yeah that's one of the things but when i work uh i actually listen to soundtracks so it's so funny because i hate to break all the hearts of all the my metal fans (laughs) but i don't actually listen to metal when Mm -hmm. i draw uh i listen to movie soundtracks and and what kind of soundtracks so i go from um sometimes game of thrones certain tracks Mm -hmm. like the lord of light theme was a big one as I was uh, illustrating Shadow Kingdom, um, game soundtracks big time, like Bloodborne. Bloodborne oh, has yeah. an incredible soundtrack. What a great game, too. Oh, my God. That that was that, that game's fantastic. I hope that gets a sequel, to be honest. Me, too. They're probably going to do it for the next system. I did love Sekiro. I don't know if you played that one. I didn't. It's a great game. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's really dark. It's mm-hmm. creepy. It's like Samurai, right? It's Samurai. Yeah. And it's it was done very well. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It's a tough game. I think I, because I've put so many hours into Dark Souls mm-hmm. that I, I still have PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I need to... Dark uh, Souls 3. Yeah, 3. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of them. All of them. I think we beat the crap out of those games. Oh, my God. Forget it. Those games are great. So And their soundtracks are just so epic. Sure. You know, and... Uh, is that all live orchestra? Live orchestra, yeah. There's Unbelievable. A, there's a, like a little, I don't know if it was a trailer or something, but there's like a little teaser where you can see them making it, like filming it, and they're like, it looks like they're in a church. I don't know what, I mean, they, they, the setting should certainly looks like it, but it, it's, it's, it's incredible mm. to watch. But they have this full orchestra, this choir, the Cleric Beast soundtrack. So yeah, I listen to a lot of soundtracks. Um, if I'm really getting into like, Heavy duty stuff, Doom 2016. Oh, yeah, nice. Have you? I never played that one. Oh, I know you love the Doom games. Oh my God, they're so good, so good. And the soundtrack, 
that's pretty metal. So you know what? No, I do listen to metal, guys. I do, because any metalhead must, must listen to the Doom soundtrack. Just listen to BFG Division. Yeah, that's the track. Your head will explode. <laughs> I'm ready. I might go listen to it when I get home. Oh, it's awesome. And also, oh, the, the number one soundtrack, too, is uh, Mad Max, Fury Road. Sure. That was a great movie. That, in my opinion, is one of the greatest movies to come out in, in the past decade. Totally agree. I really think that's my favorite movie Now, were you a big fan of the originals? Never. had never seen them before. Never saw them. No. Um, I did end up watching um, Road Warrior, mm-hmm. which is the second one. Mm-hmm. It was good. It is I, good. I really enjoyed it, but the... The, the, it's just so ferocious, you know, that Fury Road and high octane. Yeah. And I love, I have so much respect for George Miller because he came back, what, 30 years yeah. later? He said, it's my project. I'm going to re, I'm the only person who can do it. And it's true because look, look the guy's like, what, isn't he 70? He's yeah. 70 years old and he still got it. Yeah. And I think that's so inspiring. Because, he didn't say, he said one line in the movie, right? Max. Except like one line in the movie. Yeah, like a couple of lines. So captivating. Oh, it's because it's, in my opinion, it's true cinema. You know, it's like you don't need so many words or dialogue. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think the film is so inspiring for comic book artists. Because when comic book artists are being trained, you know, one of my teachers, I I studied comic book illustration uh, with uh, Jamal Eichel and Steve Walker over at the Art Students League. I would give up my weekends and I would just, I would go over there all the way to 57th Street and 7th, commute all the way from Staten Island. I would take his course. And it was great because they said a true comic book artist needs to be able to tell a story without the words and someone needs to be able to tell what's going on mm-hmm. or just at least get the feel of it. And I never forgot that. And that's something I, I tried to you know, bring to my, to my students now that I teach because I teach college. And that film is perfect because you don't need all that dialogue. It's just all shown in the visuals. Yeah. And it's so captivating, so powerful. And I mean, the colors too, the, the cinematography, the aesthetic. I think it's such a great movie. And if you haven't seen it, you guys should absolutely sit down and watch it. Yeah, there was one I remember in the middle of the movie because the whole movie is like at a 10 or an yeah. 11. And then there's yeah. one, there's like only like 15 minutes of respite. Oh yeah, in the middle of the movie, mm-hmm. where and they did they did it at night, right? Yes, is that yes. true? Yeah, you see those people. And, are you thinking about? And, yeah, and it's all stars and like yes. I, I remember it's the woman with Max. Yes, and they're kind of having a moment together, right. and then all of a sudden it just goes back to an eleven. But oh, like yeah. that, it was so nice to just go like. He knows when to let you breathe. Exactly. He knows. He knows at the right point. Exactly, and. Kind of all art is like that. Music's like oh, that yeah. too. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. You I'm need, sure. You definitely need if it's if it's a song, a single song, or if it's an album, mm-hmm. you need a high point. You need all highs, and then all of a sudden you need to dip, and you need to have a respite. Mm. Even if it's in a song, or if it's in an entire album, and then you come back up again and right. bring it back up. Right. Or right. whatever story you're trying to convey or tell. Sure. That's that's how you have to do it. You need to take people. On a roller coaster ride, mm. and that's I believe in all art. Oh yeah, honestly, some of the best movies are the ones that start slow, yeah, until and, and then all of a sudden brings that high point in the middle, and you're like, oh my god, and then all of a sudden it's yeah. gone. Exactly. 
and yeah. you realize like I was I was enjoying that like the whole ride. Right. I didn't need an eleven the whole time. Exactly. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. No, it's true. Yeah. Oh man. So what are you listening to right now, music wise? Mm. The Beatles. <laughs> Something new. <laughs> Something new. You heard of those guys? No, I haven't. Um, How do you spell it? B e e t l e s. Um. Oh man, what am I listening to? Well, speaking of like George Miller being seventy and just killing it, Paul McCartney. He's my man. It's incredible. He never stops. It's re- it really is, and you know, they they keep getting better. Like George Miller, when you watch the Mad Max movies, you see how he just. Although uh, Thunderdome is a little bit of a. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, but. Um, him and McCartney, they're chameleons. Because did you know that George Miller did Happy Feet? I did not know that. Yeah. He did Happy Feet. That's George Miller? It's George Miller. Yeah. You would never know. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And he was like, all right, you know, I have kids now. He was like, I, I want to make something that's more, you know, for that, for them. Let's get the tap dancers in. Let's get the tap dancers in. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the crazed, you know. That's, but... That's art. Yeah, exactly. That's an artist. That's a true artist. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. like, Paul to McCartney, yeah. a true artist. Oh, he yeah. dabbles in everything. It's not just one thing. Exactly. Not only yourself, you also have a couple of other projects uh, other than Blood Realm. What are they? What are you doing? So, I also have a comic book series called Agent 87. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a relaunch of a project I did back in 2014. It's going to be an anthology series. It's going to be featured in, it came out on a Wednesday by Alterna Comics. And it's like this anthology book that they put out every uh, every other month. It's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to have the secret origin of Agent 87. So How uh, long is it going to be? It's only going to be two pages. It'll just be two pages. And then um, the next issue, I believe, comes out in August. Yeah, and that that one I collaborated with another student, so I have two students I'm working on with that one. That's cool. Yeah, I, I want to help them because I know how hard it is, you know, to get into this business and mm-hmm. just get a little bit of a jump start. If you could just now say that you're published, you know, and they do great work. I mean, when you guys see the stuff that they've been doing that I've been working on with them with Agent Eighty Seven, um, you guys are going to be impressed. It's and it's been a blast collaborating with them. You know, I think finally they'll be ready to go off and you know. Sure. Yeah. Nope. They get the big time. Yeah, of course. That's, so do I. Un- I want yeah, the big time. Well, yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> Don't we all? There's so many people that go undiscovered, and it gets it's unfortunate because it's uh, it's even in the music business, you know, like there's so much talent out there, and oh, there's yeah. such a saturation. That's what. That's the problem. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, that's the problem going on with all media right now i mean look you tell me you're more of the music person but i feel like anyone could put their stuff on spotify now right every day every day yeah thousands of tracks tens of thousands of tracks every single day it's an oversaturation of music yeah and it's tough to you have to wean through I mean, I understand like the big labels all right they don't want to take a chance because there's so much for lack of a better word, shit yeah. out there <laughs> right. that they don't want to take a chance on like some Joe Schmo. Mm-hmm. So they, the first thing they ask is, how are your numbers? 
Oh, well, yeah. Which means your social media numbers. Yeah. Because that's what matters. It's, it's Do you have a million hits on YouTube? Do you have a million hits on this song on Spotify? Right. right. If you don't, don't bother coming talking to us. Right. Which actually happened to me at Capitol Records. Right. I you, went for a meeting right. with my brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were sitting behind computers. They didn't look up at us once. <laughs> and uh, they were like, well, uh, the music's really good. Um, how are your numbers, though? And they looked it up immediately, and they were like, mm, come back to us when you get things started. I was like, aren't, aren't you supposed to help me with that? <laughs> exactly. Oh, and that, it's not just music, man. Believe I'm sure me. it's everything. I'm sure it's everything. When I would go to Comic-Con and other conventions with my portfolio, um, I would go to all these different editors, and they would say, wow, this is good stuff. Um, where have I seen you work? I said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not published yet. And they went, oh, okay. And then they'd slide back the portfolio and they would say, come back to us when you're published. Isn't that your job? That's your job. You're like, supposed to publish people. I, I did the work. I, yeah. did, I did half the work already. Here's the art. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this costs a lot of money and time. Absolutely. A lot of time. Oh, yes, it does. And uh, what do they do? <laughs> exactly. I guess promotion. They don't want... This, this is just the way it is right now. Um, it's just the time we live in. They want you to already be established. Mm-hmm. They want you to have already found your voice, to have your audience, and that's it. All they have to do is just say that they have you, and that's it. You're going to bring your fans. You're going to bring your readers. You're going to bring your listeners. And that's why fewer distributors, or I would say publishers and producers kind of are not taking big risks. I mean, look, I, I said this on other podcasts. George Lucas himself said that Star Wars would never be made today. 100%. Never. And I'll be honest, you know, that's why I wanted to make Blood Realm because I said, look, you know, at a certain point you have to say, I don't care if this is main. This is not mainstream, you know. I believe in it. I'm having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'll find some kind of audience. I don't care how small it is. Right. Um, as long as work. right, I'm making art that speaks to me and that hopefully could speak to someone else. Sure. And that's it. You know. I mean, here's a funny little story. Well, it's not funny, but I actually never told you this. When I went the last time, I went to New York Comic Con. The very last time I went mm-hmm. as an attendee, not as an exhibitor. Okay. I was there with my portfolio, and it was very much identical to what was being published like currently at that time and i changed my voice i changed my style but in truth it wasn't me mm-hmm. so i actually met with this one particular editor of this publishing company and it was the first time i ever was told uh okay hey you know what this looks really good and he gave me his business card he goes email email me this stuff uh we can we can get something for you now, everyone, you're probably thinking I'm crazy, but I actually didn't follow up because I realized that that stuff I did was not at you. all. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. And I thought long and hard about it. I was like, why do I want to, I want, why do I want to go down this path? You know, because then I'll be honest, making that portfolio felt like work. It did not feel like I was making anything yeah. that was... It wasn't my vision, you know what I mean? And look, some people are craftsmen. There are some illustrators that are just craftsmen where you can just tell them what you want and they'll do that. 
but which is fine, but totally fine. Yeah. But I realize in that moment that I'm not that kind of person. I don't want to bring other people's stories to life. I'm happy to do covers and pinups for people without mm -hmm. a shadow of a doubt. I have no problem with that. But I'm a storyteller. You know what I mean? And and you've got to tell your story. I have to. I have to. Because so also I had done freelance work. For some of you who don't know, I did freelance work for this company called Moonstone Books, and I worked with a great great writer his name was mel odom well is he's still living <laughs> but a great guy and i realized like man you know like as, as cool as this story is because i was being i was going to be part of this relaunch it was called back to the originals and it was like a complete relaunch of like classic 1920s and 30s pulp characters and uh obviously it never got published because the company it was like 2010 and the company ended up like doing really bad mm. i mean they didn't even tell me it was being canceled. I had, a, I had an email, Mel. So like, Mel, they're not answering my emails. You know, uh, I have all these pages done. What are we doing? He was like, oh, my God. He was like, they didn't tell you. It's like, what? He was like, they canned the book. That's upsetting. I was I was naive, though. I was really young. No mm. one taught me. Like, it's not like I had, I had an in. My parents uh, are not, you know, art business savvy. You know what I mean? So that was one of those defining moments where I learned. I didn't even get paid for all that stuff. Because that, the agreement was that I would get paid when it would be in print. Sure. And it never got to print. So I worked on all those issues. I got nothing. But it was a big, big moment for me. That's how we learn. It's the only way we learn. Yeah. And that's when I realized, too, like, you know, I don't want to illustrate other people's stories. I understand that that's good for other people. I have colleagues and good friends who work for major companies, and they do that. But it's not for me. That's when... You, you need to make stuff that gives you joy and you need to be having fun. If you're not having fun, the audience can tell. So true. The audience, the reader, the listener can absolutely tell when the creator is having a blast. And with Blood Realm, I'm having the time of my life. I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. Every issue that I'm reading. Oh, every thanks, single man. issue. Yeah, man, I can tell. You just love it. I'm having so much you fun. You love every... I mean, I know, and I know, because I've known you my yeah, whole life. right. How painstaking it can be oh, yeah. to draw and redraw something. Oh, my oh God. I know. I know. But I know it's the only thing you want to be doing. That's it. Like, yeah. you're telling your story. Right. It's coming from your brain. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's... You know what a common question is I get every time I do conventions? They all say... If one of the big two called you right now, which character would you want? Which would you want to work on? And my answer is always the same. It's like no one. General Gorn. <laughs> what General Gorn? Yeah. By Marvel Comics. Exactly. I would do General Gorn meets Conan the Barbarian. That would oh, be sick. Cool. Yeah. That would be really cool. That would be really cool. Or Dynamite Comics. They do Red Sonia. That's like in that Conan realm. Love that crossover. Wow. Dynamite Comics. Let's do it. If you're listening. That's right. That's, Dynamite. Let's do Blood Realm meets Red Sonia. That would be sick. You never know. You never know. <laughs> In two, three years' time. Yeah. We can look back on this podcast. Remember that time? Yeah. Yeah. They're going to do a wedding issue. General Gorn marries Red Sonia. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Wedding. <laughs> the Red Wedding. Yeah. Hey, Red Sonia. Oh, man. But, yeah. Gotta have fun, man. 
no matter what you do, you got to have fun. And anybody can tell. Anybody can tell when you're having fun yeah. and when you're not, when it's just, you're just going through the motions. Exactly. Even in music, too. Yeah, I'm it's sure. In, it's in all types of art. But I can, like I was saying, I can definitely tell that you are loving what you're doing. And you're doing it all. You're yeah. lettering. I know. What, you're also uh, inking it, it. Inking everything. Oh, my God. I know. Uh, it's How long does it take you to do each issue? Each issue? Um... See, uh, it could go from like two months, roughly, mm-hmm. with doing all that stuff, you know, the lettering, the coloring, the illustrating. That, that's not even including the time before that where I'm laying out the story to make sure it all makes sense. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a lot of lore to the Blood Realm saga, you know, to the world of the lands of Mordred and mm-hmm. everything. But, um, I'm having a blast making it. I mean, obviously, Tolkien is one of my biggest influences. Sure. Uh, Clive Barker, too. Um, Clive Barker has... He considers the, the, the genre he writes called the fantastique. It's like it's like this horror meets fantasy, which isn't quite... It's, I wouldn't say it's dark fantasy, but I guess it is a little bit with him. I guess it is, because it can be pretty grotesque. Mm-hmm. But... I just love his work. Hellbound Heart was one of my favorite books growing up. I read that way too young. Hellbound Hellbound Heart is actually... Or maybe you didn't. Yeah, maybe I didn't. You're right. That's actually the book that inspired Hellraiser, Hellbound Heart. And it's a little novella. It's fantastic. It's great. I'd like to read that. Oh, yeah. I read it so many times cover to cover. Uh, it's, It's his imagery, you know. And Pinhead actually isn't called Pinhead. It's like this androgynous creature with a shrill voice. Really freaky. Yeah, yeah. You see Steve's face. He's a little creeped out That's by creepy. that. That's <laughs> creepy. But, yeah, I'm strangely intrigued. Yeah. No, it's great, man. It, it's it's really good. So, yeah, and also religion, obviously. Sure. You know, that really heavily, you know, influenced uh, my work. I mean, I mentioned in my my lore and draw videos, you know, where I feature all those Bloodrump characters, I talk about how the imagery of the saints you know, it, it's so fascinating to me. I mean, I studied art history when I was in college. And then w- when I went for my master's, I, I originally wanted to be an art history professor. And I loved medieval art. And there, what's fascinating about these pictures is that they're these heroes, essentially, in, in, the, in the in Catholic mythology. But they're depicted at this, oh, this disturbing moment of their martyrdom, which is basically their horrific death. Mm. You know, but that horrific death is what makes them heroic because they're doing it, you know, obviously in the name of Christ. Right. They all died gruesomely. Yeah. And it, it that stuff like isn't de- debatable. Like St. Peter. He was crucified upside down. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, the worst one. I mean, there's so many. But like St. Bartholomew was flayed to death. They, they flayed off his skin and stuff. I mean, to me, that's amazing. And who is the woman? Lucy with the eyes. Oh my they God. gouged out her eyes before they executed her. Yeah. They have one where they like, oh, I could go on and on. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross. Yeah. It's powerful I'm, stuff. Sorry, I'm covering my hand <laughs> to my mouth. I know. I mean, burned alive and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. But, but like there is this fascinating element for me, which is the horror and the divine mm. in that imagery. Because it's horrific. It's, it's disturbing. But you wonder how, well, I'm sorry to cut you off, no, but go you ahead. wonder how humankind can do such a thing. Right, right. Because I could never fathom 
such a thing to even do to anybody. Right. But, but now, even a mouse. But of yet course. It happened. Right. And these people on the other end, I, I can't even imagine saying, what was that? Oh, you, oh you're going to take off all my skin. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is just, just say I don't believe in this person. Right. And yet no, I'm they gonna, stood I'm, strong. I'll take Flay the skin off right. for two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for 300. <laughs> Jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. That's power. That's, that's what I mean. So like that stuff really fascinated me. Without a shadow of a doubt. So um, that really influenced the creation of the Sisters of Silence. Mm. Um, they're they're these divine beings, but there's this disturbing element to them, like they're they're undefinable, you know. And uh, while they are the heroes, and there are like these, I would say these messengers of light in a way. They're capable of unleashing a horrific, horrific thing, terrifying power, mm-hmm. you know. So that was that's what I like. Everything comes back to the things that influence you throughout your life, because obviously. You can tell I was raised Catholic, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, the the mythology and the and the the imagery in um, that religion really really stuck with me. I mean, Saint George was my real first introduction to epic tales, mm-hmm. George and the Dragon. You know, I'm not familiar with that tale. Oh, so George was a knight. Well, he was more of a he was a Roman soldier, supposedly, and he was coming across, he was actually in the forest on his horse and he hears this woman screaming. And essentially this village or this town had used this princess as a sacrifice to appease this dragon that lived in the lake from destroying and killing all the citizens. So he faces this dragon head on and he battles it. And it's like this epic scene that was depicted mostly heavily in the medieval times so that during the medieval period he was essentially their superman the crusaders especially wow it's like superman meets king kong yeah oh what about the uh the red cross the crusader red cross is mm-hmm. supposed to be the cross that saint george supposedly carved into in his, his shield. chest no and it's in his, on his shield he would hide it because he was a, he was actually a christian he was a christian soldier and Rome ended up executing him because he was he was carving that into his shield. And what happened was apparently a lot of his followers, they loved him. A lot of the uh, soldiers who were under him started carving the cross into their shields as well when they went into battle because they, they loved him. Wow. Oh, yeah. He's incredible. And there's so many different versions of his death. He was beheaded. He was burned alive. You know, we don't really know. We know he died, though. But we know he's dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's definitely dead now. He's definitely dead now. But he is an incredible figure that inspired many, many stories and tales. I mean, that literally became like the, 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 you know, the the tale of chivalry, the knight in shining armor on the white horse, you know, the, the, the the white horse supposed to represent the purity of the rider, Mm. you know? So he was their, their hero, the crusaders. They loved him. Yeah. So that's St. George. So that inspired around a bit oh yeah i mean just like you know it's just my love for like you know mythology you know and history you know obviously we don't know if this happened you know 
for sure. But like the idea that a dragon could exist. I mean, medieval people believe they were centaurs. I mean, in their zoology books, I mean, they have like like the whole stats on a centaur. Mm. And like, I think it was like a, I don't know if a mermaid or something, but like these weird sea creatures. Maybe they were. Maybe they were and they just killed them all. I don't know. But like they were like, they believe centaurs were just roaming around in the forest. It's incredible. <laughs> I know. Do you yeah. think that do you think that was the mind of like a sickly person, or do you think they actually <laughs> believed that? They believed it. I mean, the people during that time believed it without a doubt. Um, but don't forget, a lot of people were illiterate, you know. So a it was lot, all word of mouth. It was all word of mouth, you know. I mean, that's how the the um, the, the Catholic faith, the Church, essentially like educated people on the faith was through paintings, you know, because people couldn't read. Mm-hmm. So, but, but they did a couple of illustrations that were the most important, which was like the crucifixion, mm-hmm. you know, the resurrection and the last judgment. So you best behave. Right. Right. <laughs> so those people knew the last judgment and revelations very well. Keep them, keeping people in line. Right. Exactly. Behave yourself. Since 180. <laughs> Yeah, but it's cool stuff, you know. I, I really like the dark history of of stuff like that, you know. That's what brings art. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And that's, well, uh, you, this issue hasn't come out yet, mm-hmm. but your main character, soon to be coming. Right. Is he a little bit St. George-ish? George Absolutely. Absolutely. Very good connection there. Do they know? Do they, they have know no the idea. They have no idea. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, I I have revealed. I don't want to spoil it. Right. I have revealed the the subtitle for the next miniseries, and it's called Ironhide. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So maybe people will start to connect. Yeah. So Ironhide Part One debuts in January 2020. I can't wait. The reason I it, it there's a bit of a break. Uh, I believe Peter couldn't find a slot for the fall, but to be honest with you, this is probably the most ambitious book I've illustrated and written. And it's, I can attest to it. <laughs> it is going to blow your minds. Yeah, it's it's unlike anything I've illustrated, even what you've seen so far in Blood Realm. I can't wait, uh, but it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. And I'm having a blast making it, and I think you guys are really really gonna like where the story goes. And there's going to be music to go along with it. There's going to be music. I can't wait for them to see that. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be really great. So how are we doing on time? I think we can. Uh, I think we can call it a wrap. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, we did pretty well for the first podcast. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, we certainly did. Yeah, we certainly did. Uh, that's a wrap for the first episode of the Geronimo Draws podcast. We'll see you guys soon, and hopefully we'll have another co-host, oh, yeah. Brother Ant. That'll be great. All right, guys, take care. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the rest of your day. Oh, yeah.